Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. Astros got beat last night handily. Again, it's one of those you could certainly file that under it's one of the 54 and you just 54 losses you get when the season starts and you move and you just file it under that category and you move on to the next game. I was a little worried about this series going into it because again, when you've played as bad as the little MVPs have for the last couple of weeks, if they have any pride at all, any togetherness at all. And I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes on their little team. But um, if they have any pride at all, you're going to play well in this series. Um, You know, the first game was way closer than it should have been. Last night's game did not have to happen. I just... I just don't understand. Look, I understand if you know, that some hitters match up with some pitchers and vice versa. I understand you go through stretches where you have mechanical issues or whatever. I get all that. What I don't get is that you're a major league pitcher and you're actually on a pretty hot streak. Like early on, I did not like the way Javier was pitching at all. Then he kind of had a three or four outing stretch where he was pitching very good. Arguably, he had the best back-to-back outings in the history of baseball. You could argue. I mean, that's all a matter of opinion. It doesn't really matter as long as your team wins. But, I mean, literally, like, he was the first pitcher ever to have, like, 27 or more strikeouts and only give up, like, two hits in a back-to-back outing. Um, and then last night they're facing one of the little MVPs and it's a leadoff batter in the second inning and the score is zero, zero and it's Jonathan VR. Well, Jonathan VR is a washed up baseball player. I mean, completely washed up. Any day now, I'm expecting for the the little MVPs, even them, to, to release him. I mean, like, I, I'd be surprised if he made it to the end of the season. This is guy, a guy who probably shouldn't even be in the major leagues right now. He's washed up. I mean, he had a nice career. He played for the Astros many years ago. He was playing for the Astros back when they were losing 100 games three years in a row. He had a nice career. He's a washed-up, awful baseball player. He is what you call an All-American out. That's what he is. And Christian Javier could not just throw a fastball right down. That's all you got to do. This guy is washed up. 
All you got to do is throw a strike. Like they say, they act like these major league pitchers know where to throw in the ball. If you ever, I mean, it's like facing a bad pitcher. That's what it is. And, you know, I know the pitchers don't hit anymore, but we've all seen it. Like, I don't understand. Like, you're facing, you're a major league pitcher. You're facing a, the equivalent, like in the days when the pitcher hit, a bad hitting pitcher, and you're going to walk him on four pitches. I'm, I've seen it happen. Like, all you got to do is just throw it right down the middle, throw bat in practice. He's not going to hit it. What are you afraid of? Now, again, if I'm, if I'm facing the little MVP or a hot hitter um, and you're trying to maybe pitch around him, you're trying to – or he's got a reputation of swinging at bad pitches, but he's got a lot of pop in his bat, I get that. Jonathan VR is a complete, he's an all-American out. I mean, throw it underhanded if you have to. Just do not walk him. That's the only thing. He, you know, he might be able to get a bloop single because he's got a bat in his hand. He is awful. He was like on an 0 for 14 streak. He's not a Major League Baseball player anymore. The only reason he's playing Major League Baseball right now is because they're injured at that position and he had and he was once a real Major League Baseball player. He's not anymore. Like all you got to do, I don't really I would not have cared if he threw it underhanded. Just do not walk him. This guy is an out. So what does he do? He walks him on I think five pitches. Then the next guy is Max Stassi, who hits a double play ball that somehow gets through. Slow catcher, hits a ground ball to short. I'm thinking, well, that's a double play. They're shifting to the left, and the ball gets through. Like, what in the world just happened? We just walked a non-major league baseball player. Then a slow catcher hits a double play ball to short, and it's not caught. And they score three runs in that inning. And I'm supposed to think that's okay. That's what I'm supposed to think. That's okay. You walk a non-major league baseball player. All you got to do is throw a strike and you get him out. That's all you got to do. Just throw it over the plate and he's out. Unbelievable. So, yes, last night was one of the 54, but it didn't have to happen. And even, even with that happening, the Astros are down three to one. They're going to the sixth inning. And I'm feeling pretty good because the little MVP's off the hill. He's not going to be pitching anymore. I'm thinking Astros are going to win this game still. And then they bring in Brian Abreu. Look, I, we've been playing around. The Astros have been playing around with Brian, Brian Abreu for several years. I'm done with him. Like, I'm done with Brian Abreu. That stupid look on his face. No, it's, I'm done with him. The patience is, oh, I don't want to hear about how he might be good. I mean, how long do you have to give a guy before he can throw strikes? He throws an 0-2 pitch right over the middle of the plate and on the outside corner. When you're playing a shift to a hot left-handed hitter if you and you get him down 0-2, what in the world are you throwing it? a lazy curveball in the outside corner for. To, all he has to do is just push it into the hole 
and he's got a, a two-run single. He's absolutely awful. He's a mindless. He's a mental midget. He's got stuff. He's big and strong. He can throw in the upper 90s. He has no idea how to pitch. None. Zero. Enough. No more Brian Abreu. Done with him. No more. I mean, there's no way. There's no way that guy's going to be on your on your playoff roster. They have got to acquire anybody else. Jonathan VR might be able to pitch better than him. No, that's not true. But again, if they win tonight, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's just one loss. I get it, but I. I it's not so – you never want to lose. But when you lose because you can't throw a strike to a non-major league hitter and he's just standing there and all you have to do is put it on a tee and say, hit it, cat. You can't hit. You're awful. You're washed up. It's all you got to do. Then you, as, as a major league pitcher, you should be able to do that. I do not think that's too much to ask, to be able to throw the ball a strike against a non-major league washed up player. He used to be good. He hadn't been good in a while. He's a washed-up player whose career is going to be over any day now. And you can't throw a ball over a plate. I mean, that's just pitiful. That that that's 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 aggravating. But um, and you know, because because if he throws a strike to Jonathan VR and he gets him out like everyone who throws strikes does to Jonathan VR, then you're probably up one to nothing going to the sixth, and you're not pitching Brian Abreu up one nothing because your bullpen is totally rested. And Brian Abreu is not good. <sighs> what an aggravating loss. All right. Very, very aggravating Again, the loss overall isn't that aggravating, but not being able to just throw the ball over the plate to a non-major league hitter, that is very aggravating to me. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. All right, something else that this week, the theme of this week has been, all right, trying to get ready, trying to get into football season. We're doing the NFL and the Saints and reliving some old frustrating Saints losses and NFL losses, heartbreaking losses. We've talked a little bit about which teams do we think that made the playoffs last year uh, that may, does it look like they may not make the playoffs this year and who might they be replaced with? We haven't certainly, certainly haven't totally exhausted that situation yet. There's something else that's really gets. I just, I just don't understand it. I'm just trying to understand it. So before we get too deep into football season, I want to hear from y'all on this. Seriously, I mean, I. And again, if you want to call and act silly, then it's fine. Call and act silly, and I'll play along a little bit far down that road, and then you know we'll. Uh, reach some sort of conclusion or, or 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 destination there, but but I would prefer that you give me a serious answer. And the issue that I'm talking about is Jameis Winston. 
because I keep hearing this over and over and over again. Again, last year at this time, I was not worried about Jameis Winston. A year later, I'm certainly not worried about Jameis Winston. Like, again, that's not even last year. It wasn't one of my top five concerns for the Saints team. This year, I don't even know if it's in the top ten. So, after we take this time out and for the rest of the show, the, the, I would love to hear from someone who is really concerned. What are you concerned about? Like, what is your fear? I don't, I don't think Jameis Winston is going to be all pro. Like, it, uh, that's not even in my mindset. I don't even care what his stats look like. I mean, really. So I'm trying to feel like what exactly, for those of you who keep saying your number one concern is Jameis Winston, number one question going into this Saints season is Jameis Winston. What exactly are you worried about? I've got to understand this because I really don't get it. And if it's what I think it is, then we're going we're gonna to disagree. Before we do that, let's get one more call on the hotline, and then we'll go to our first timeout. Hello. Let's see. Yes, sir. Okay, I, I, I got to be full of how, you know, what I say today because I appreciate Shohei Otani. They only got two good players on that team. I mean, the Angels aren't a good team, okay? Otani is good, and uh, what's the other one's name? Uh but the Astros always get him out. What's the other MVP saying? Mike, Mike Trout. Yeah, Trout. The Astros always get him out. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, Otani came into the game with a .74, ER, uh, .74 whip the last 30-something innings he had pitched. So, you know, I, I'm just going to – I'm just – going to chalk this up and move on, that, that a better pitcher beat him. But, Footsie, i got to bring up a bad loss. I don't know, has anybody brought up the Music City Miracle? No, but that was that was definitely a bad loss. I remember watching that game live, yes. That, crazy loss. Well, that's one of the few times. Look, we think about how bad we got as Saints fans. What, but we don't know how, you know, Buffalo, we don't see all of their games. But, I mean, and I know Jay brought up, I believe, the uh, field goal, the, what was it, Scott Norwood missed the field goal wide right in right. the 91 Super Bowl. But, yeah. you know, they went four years in a row. You kind of got like a, you know, you, you want to put everything into one. I mean, they went four years in a row. And I agree with you. I, I think you made a good point yesterday uh, that the best team doesn't always win the, the trophy. No, you know that. I, right. I, I think I think you made an excellent point there. I mean, it's not always the best team because I, you know, when I look back on it now, I think Buffalo was was better than the New York Giants in the nineteen ninety one Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. But that was a matchup thing, and that was also, you you know, the the Bills had put up fifty one on the Raiders. You don't ever want to put up fifty one in a championship game. It's like scoring. And it's like scoring 15 runs in a baseball game, and then you got to play the next week. That is not, especially when you're playing a defensive-oriented team like the Midgets, who had just held 
the cheaters to five field goals on the road and no touchdowns. So that was just a bad matchup. That's all that bad circumstance game is all that was. Well, I think we ought to put the Bills for Super Bowl losses. I mean, think about that. Put they lost four straight Super Bowls. I mean, so you got that in the '91 game with the wide right by Norwood, and then you got the Music City. Now they were on the right side of the Music City Miracle. And Putty, I'm gonna tell you something. Major League Baseball, it's either here's here's the here's what they do. They either because all they do is swing, either try to hit a home run or strike out. I mean, it's zero. Like when we grew up, people have no pride in their bat. Now they don't even care about their bat. Now no, they don't. They just no. And, and striking out is, you know, when we when we were young people and we played. You struck out, man. It was like shame. There ain't no shame no more. I'm, I'm telling you, I was looking at like them batting averages for the Mets and the Braves. That's pathetic. That that is true. It's truly pathetic. And and like I said, uh, it's just either hit a home run or strike out. That that's that's what Major League Baseball is. Pro basketball, shoot a three point or miss. And pro football, seven on seven. That's that's where where we are in professional sports but i just wanted to put the music city miracle in there for you put the That's and a put good you, one. do you have like 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 some some tea or a sprite mm. or something because hannah's concerned about you yeah See, i've checked with hannah before I, I i come on the air i woke up yesterday morning and don't have a voice i feel fine but i just all of a sudden i don't have a voice i can't figure it out well, maybe you need – do you have a Sprite or a Coke or something to get you through the show? Hannah's scared. All right. Well, we're going to try. We'll try to figure it out. Okay, we'll figure Thank it you. out. Because All right. I don't want Hannah to be worried. All right. So, all right, Pussy. I'll holler at you later. Take care. Hannah has nothing to worry about. Her team's on a 10-game winning streak. A 10-game winning streak. Uh, I wonder if the national media has figured out yet that the Mariners are good. Somebody's been telling y'all that since spring training. But anyway, um, not a big surprise that the Mariners are good. I got to tell you. Oh, I, I, I heard one. Out of the blue come the Mariners. I heard a national guy say on MLB Network, and I'm like, out of the blue? This cat don't listen to my show. All right. Let's um, see. That's something y'all, y'all don't have to be. Y'all don't have to be. Um, uneducated on the Mariners because Hannah and I have been doing that all season long. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you next week is SEC Media Days. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, packing its bags and heading to Atlanta. Not to watch a Braves game, but to attend SEC Media Days. Uh, starting on Monday, RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will both be aired live from Atlanta from the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, also, on the Footnote Show, RP3 will be doing daily reports, and Matt will be doing daily reports on Jordy's show in the afternoon. So, SEC Media Days next week from Atlanta. 
The game will be there, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Absolutely. Uh, James, Mr. Bitter came with a great suggestion. So if you have any more, the Music City Miracle for heartbreaking losses, that was um, <clears throat> that was something. And the Bills have had plenty of heartbreak over the year, including that, over the years, including that one. But Norwood and that one are tough. Um, you know, the Bills uh, beating the Oilers in that 92 game, that was tough. Well, the Oilers have had some heartbreak. The Mike Ren- getting cheated at Pittsburgh on the Mike Renfro catch. Uh, I would put that on the list for the Oilers. And then that uh, blowing the 35-3 lead in the playoffs, that was that was brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But, um, you know, also um, plenty of Major League Baseball things to discuss. The Rays have bounced back. I mean, the Reds almost beat the Yankees again last night, but the Yankees were able to pull it out. Um, but the Rays found their tonic in the Red Sox. For whatever reason, the Rays just owned the Red Sox this year, and they needed that for sure. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Well, everybody owns the Red Sox, so let's, let's not get too excited. Um, the Yankees don't. Jonathan VR is not a major league player anymore, but that's because he's playing in the American League worse which is not a major league division. Oh, come on now. Not another oh, come one on that now. Where do you think Boston <laughs> went on that big winning streak in June? They played a whole month of Oakland, Seattle, and Anaheim. Seattle that's, is, Seattle that's is just as good or better than any six, Kevin. Come on. Don't, don't get cute now. Seattle is, is going to make the playoffs, Jules. They're going to finish Baltimore better. Baltimore is going to make the playoffs, no, Baltimore, Kevin. Baltimore doesn't have the pitching. They're not going to make the playoffs, no. <laughs> they, were, they got Logan Gilbert. Anyway, so I, I, after I watched the Red Sox lose, well, I didn't really watch it. I've been turning the games off in the second inning lately. That's how bad they are. Um, I watched the Dodgers and the Cardinals, and I watched the Yankees and the Reds. And I turn on the Astros. Bottom of the sixth inning? And a Red Sox game broke out. Yes. Uh, terrible release kitchen. Guys hurling baseballs like they're hand grenades. I said, look at foot. He's after my own heart again. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do want you to know that uh, there is a new instructional DVD out. It's called Losing Baseball featuring Alex Cora. <laughs> And the Red Sox have been watching it uh, on a daily basis. And some of the uh, live, or not live, but game footage uh, on there is such as a a player, first and third, nobody out, and Verdugo gets picked off third. Or uh, Devers on third, breaking bad for home on a ball, that rolled three feet from the catcher and getting thrown out by 30 feet. Uh, let's see, there was uh, the other night where the batted ball hit, strammed the pitcher. 
He uh, runs, picks it up, wheels, throws it away, one run scores. Frankie Cordero retrieves the ball, throws it away to home, another run scores. They lose three to one. Yes, two runs. Kevin, you don't have any idea what bad baseball is. And then this is what really gets me is you look on Twitter because all of the Boston media people, they have their little tweets out there. And there's this uh, last night uh, core presser, I guess, after the game. And uh, some idiot writes, this is what makes Cora a great manager. He's he's accountable. He's accountable. What did he say? He said, uh, we're making bonehead plays and we need to do better. That's accountable? No, that's not accountable. They've been doing that for four years, ever since he got the job there. But so some other guy said, well, what do you want him to do? Bench the guy? Publicly berate him? Yes. Yes, both. Bench him and publicly berate him. Because what you're doing, Cora, isn't working, which is just talking to them in Spanish and telling them what a good little boy they've been. Oh, it, it makes me puke nightly, I swear. You can bench him, Jules, I'm, but I'm you can't publicly to, berate him. You can't do that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about done with the Red Sox. I really am, you know. I, I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch the NFL. I'm getting ready to stop just completely not even bothering to turn the Red Sox game on anymore. It's down to college basketball. That's about it. But don't ever think you've got any kind of market on uh a bad baseball when you play it once a week because if you watch the Red Sox, it's a nightly occurrence. Okay. And every day I write this on Twitter to all of these same people, and it doesn't seem to get through. You don't get <laughs> it's it. unbelievable how <laughs> dumb these people are. He's accountable. God bless. Accountable would actually, after the game, don't let them go to the locker room. Get him back on the field and start taking infield practice. Jules, where that were you be- last week when when we were doing LSU basketball? I didn't get one call from Jules, Jules about LSU basketball. What did you do about LSU basketball? Heartbreaking losses. All-time heartbreaking. What's your most heartbreaking LSU basketball loss? Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's got to be a close game to be heartbreaking. Um, and, you know, most of those haven't really occurred in the tournament. Usually when LSU loses, they get blasted, um, in a tournament, you know, they they may have won some games like when they went to the final four three times, but they always get blasted. One that would come to mind right off the bat, um, would be, Ooh, a heartbreaking loss. Well, it was the one to five slam a jammer in the uh, Superdome uh, when Elijah Wan was a freshman, and Howard Carter was going to take the game-winning shot from the top of the key, and Elijah Wan came out from under the basket and blocked the ball away. A guy covered about. 20 feet in two steps, but uh, I'd have to think about the most heart heartbreaking loss. I know they had a tough one against Georgetown in the NCAA tournament one year. That one comes to mind. I was living in California at the time, but 
Yeah, well, a lot of times, Kev, I don't wake up till eleven o'clock. So okay, you show you show's over, but unfortunately, I, I just, got you. Just happened to get up today. All right, and had to call in. All right, all Kev, right. thank you. Look, the Red Sox are in a bad stretch right now, but the Red Sox don't have any starting pitching. Like Sale came back and he pitched well. Uh, once they get, you know, if and when they get all their starting pitchers back. I'm sure they'll be winning some games because their offense is really good. I mean, you know, they've got and, – and for what – you know, and, and they're getting owned by a team. That's going to happen here or there. It, it really – it is. It's going to happen here or there. Someone else uh, texted in the Immaculate Reception. Gene called yesterday with that. I, I mean, that might have to be number one on the list. It would certainly be in the top three in the overall NFL list. Uh, the Music City Miracle would be up there for sure. Uh, the fumble and the and the, and the drive would certainly be up there. I, I would think the fumble was even worse than the drive because of the drive. You already had that as a Cleveland Brown in your mind, and then the next year you fumble. Now Jeremiah has still forced the fumble, but still you fumbled going in, and if you don't fumble, you 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 take care of that deal. And, and 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 the Browns go to the Super Bowl. Which has never happened. Never happened. And that was that Browns team that was really good. That 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 group, that Browns outfit. That's one of the few times the Saints beat the Browns. Like the Browns have owned the Saints forever. And the irony of it is the Saints actually beat like the best Browns team ever. But they couldn't beat like just just the, the putrid Browns teams. Could not beat them. Can't beat the putrid Browns team. They own the Brown. The Browns absolutely own the Saints. But they could beat the best Browns team of my lifetime. I'm not gonna say ever because before I was born they had some good teams. But I'm gonna say of my lifetime, the best Browns team they've ever played, they beat. But they couldn't beat the awful ones. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, kind of reset, and move on when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 14th, 2019. Novak Djokovic wins the longest ever Wimbledon final over Roger Federer. 7-6, 1-6, 7-6, 4-6, 13-12 in 4 hours 57 minutes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Foot, Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Astros will be playing game three of their series against the little MVPs. Uh, big game for me anyway. I just don't like losing series to bad teams and it was a bad circumstance series going into it because they have just been playing putrid. I mean, putrid. They just got swept for the Orioles and 
Uh, they are really, really, and, and and if they had any pride when you're playing, when you're really struggling and you come home, you played a team that just embarrassed you a couple weeks ago in Houston and where you didn't even compete one time in the whole series. And it was – I didn't like this series coming in, but tonight's game is a little earlier. Starts at 7 instead of 8.38. And you can hear all the action right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Also want to remind you, the game, 103.7-1041 Lake Charles would like to – Offer would like for you to win an Apple Watch. If you would like to win an Apple Watch, all you have to do is join the brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 283-8800-283-8100. That will make you eligible to win an Apple Watch as well as many other prizes, including Astro tickets. The GAME text club. Find out more, I should say, about the Game Text Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hello? Hello. Yeah, you there? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, what about Jake DeLong losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl? The kicker kicking the ball out of bounds. Uh, that was, um, yeah, that was, um, that was, that was a a tough. You know, it, it, it's kind of like a second or third cousin to the Saints making that great play uh, and getting all the momentum at Jacksonville and then missing the extra point. It's like you, you're all fired up, you're kicking off, and then boom, the kicker kicks it out of bound and just takes the win out of so much of that momentum. Absolutely. And as far as the Saints, I remember Tampa Bay was an expansion team, and they had gone 0-26, and they won their first game in the Superdome against the Saints. (laughs) Absolutely. I remember exactly where I was in my friend Brian's house. Uh, off of Percy Bork Road, and uh, and and you know, if you ever watch the replay of that game, you will you will realize how poorly coached the Saints were. All the Saints had to do in that game is line up and run the football. If they had run the ball on every play, they'd have crushed the Bucks. They kept throwing the ball down the field, and I don't know, they threw like five interceptions or something. It was just stupid. That was just a lesson in offensive coaching stupidity. Is what that well, was. But, yeah, it was an embarrassing loss, no question. Well, that's the game that got Hank Stram fired. Yes, it was It was a, It was was an awful <laughs> performance, yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Of course, two years later, amazingly, the Yucks were playing in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, I was not a big fan. That I, I've always looked at USC as one of the Gestapo teams. I never pulled for USC. Didn't like John McKay and J.K. McKay and Pat Hayden and, you know, Ricky Bell and Anthony Davis and, and all them USC people. Never pulled for them. But um, he was hilarious on NFL films, and he did a great job of, of, of turning that team, you know, like two years later, there in the NFC Championship game, it got beat 9 to nothing. Frank Corral beat them 9-0 with three field goals. Unbelievable. The Rams had no business being there. They, the only reason they got there is because they Billy Waddy called a deflected pass at Dallas, and they upset the Cowboys in the playoffs. Kind of sickening. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. 
Morning, fuck. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, glory today. Check it. Hey, look. I got, I got, at least two things I think that might cheer you up, but one, you, when you think about games and seasons, seasons is worse. So when it comes to worses, losses, just look at it like this. The Cowgirls got about 26, 27 seasons of worst losses ever. You know, that's just season. That's more than a game. So that's a great thing. But when you talk about pitching, did you see how the Yankees won last night? On oh, wild Man, pitches? In the 10th inning, this idiot of a pitcher threw it in the dirt twice. Yeah. And the guy ran in. So when you talk about terrible pitching, talk about winning on technicality. You got to feel great. At least your pitchers don't pitch like that. So that got to make well, you feel great. The Astros did that Saturday. They they gave up they gave up three runs to the A's, the, arguably the worst team in baseball, and lost the game three to two. And they didn't hit the ball out of the not forget the infield. They, they, in the they dirt scored on a wild pitch and a pass ball. Oh wow! Shoot, God. Ooh. Oh yeah, well that's bad. Okay, uh, I tried to cheer you up. Never it's mind. awful. <laughs> Foot. Awful. Question. You ever heard of Carl Mays? Carl Mays? Carl Mays. He was a pitcher. He played for the Ugly Sox and then came to the the Great Yankees. And then, like, to the Reds and the Giants, something like that. Should never happen. Huh? Should never happen. (laughs) Should be banned from baseball. I've got applications for him to sign. (laughs) He's out of the Red Sox, up to the Yankees. That's what they do anyway. (laughs) But, um... The guy um, was—he killed another guy, Chapman, from with a pitch. You, you don't remember that story? I don't think so. Oh well, you need to check that out. Well, Carmes had killed. There was, was a guy named Chapman um, pitching the ball. People felt that he did it on purpose. Well, the thing is, and the guy should be a Hall of Famer with his numbers. And the crazy part about it in 1920. Uh, 21, he threw the Yankee World Series. This is when he's playing with the Yankees. This is why you shouldn't have no Red Sox play for the Yankees ever since then. I, so I agree with that. He threw the World Series away. And they they was playing eight games. I think it was against the Giants. But the guys, they refused to put him in the Hall of Fame for at least about those two reasons. But to hear about um the story about what he did and how he handled the um killing a guy from pitching him, you know, and he was the only one, like, still at the um, pitcher's mount, not even worrying about the guy and, you know, and so on. But I figured you would have heard about Carl, man. Well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. So, you're obviously, he's the guy. Like, that changed baseball dramatically. I mean, you know, Babe Ruth, quote, unquote, changed the game. But the game was changed when that guy killed that guy because they started yeah. using more white baseballs and they stopped using the same yeah. ball. It was the total opposite of now. Anytime the ball touches the ground, they just throw it out. So yeah, I didn't remember. Yeah. I didn't recognize his name, but yeah, I certainly remember the. I remember I, I hearing what, about the incident. Yes, sir. Yeah, because I don't. I don't. Rem- I don't know what made me go look it up. It was something I listened to tonight, and I end up looking up about how many um, MLB players ever got killed um, in baseball, and he was the one, Chapman, off the maze. Crazy, you know. So and it's great, and you know, but I say this because this is why. Yankees should not have Red Sox on their fan on their team no more. I, I, so now I help your argument because <laughs> he threw the World Series away. I would that would be twenty nine championships right now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This All right, hang have it. A good one, Thanks boy. for the call, sir. <laughs> no, that was a rev- a huge moment in the history of baseball. 
All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you can talk about the Bills, but how'd you like to be a Vikings fan and all the heartbreakers they've had, including the, the championship game with the Saints, even though they probably got the revenge with the the Minneapolis miracle. But boy, I mean, look at the the the, the game in '98 against the Falcons when Absolutely. Gary Anderson hadn't missed a field goal all year, missed a field goal that would have put the game away. '87 at the Redskins after the Vikings had beat the Saints in the wild card round, all Darren Nelson's got to do is catch the ball at the goal line, and they're going to beat the Redskins and get to the Super Bowl. Don't forget, went, don't forget they went out to Cheeto Stick and beat oh, them yeah, by two that, touchdowns. That, that, that was, that, beat that's them by two more, touchdowns. That's one of the more glorious victories yeah. for me. Yeah. Was even after we lose into the Vikings, they go out and dis, just dismantle the Yeah, the Vikings were way better than Washington in that, in that, they were, that year. They were, yes. they were, they were, they were, absolutely. And that was the strike year, so it's kind of like, you know, and then, the, then then they go on to the Super Bowl and annihilate the Broncos, who stole the game from the Browns on the fumble by uh, – right. So that gets me to what I was looking at, yardbarker.com. They have that – I'll give you the top five heartbreakers. This will, they say that the Seahawks' loss in the Super Bowl was five. Ernest Biner's fumbles four. Bills missing the field goal against the Giants is three. Uh, the, uh, the the Saints championship game in 2018, the no call is number two, and number one. Oh, I love it! I love it. Twenty-eight to three, and you lose the game. <laughs> Oh yeah, but 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 that's not that's not that for us it's not, but that's what they rank as as a heartbreaker. But but how could the immaculate reception not be on there? Yeah, that's number number six and number seven. The tuck rule is six. Immaculate reception is number number ten. And there's the Oilers and Oilers choking against. There's the Vikings again. Cardinals losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl. But for me, aside not. In, not with the Saints, but the most heartbreaking NFL loss for me, because I was a Colts fan growing up because Bert Jones played for the Colts. And of course, I had to Casper to the post, and I remember watching yes. that game even though I was seven years old. But not in the '95 AFC Championship game, when uh, Harbaugh threw up the the hail mary, the guy really should have caught the ball. He was laying yes. on the ground. Yeah, but they they dominated the Steelers in that game. They just didn't win the football game. And uh, so that that, that that's a heartbreaker for me, was because uh, they had, they went on the road, beat the Chargers and beat the Chiefs, and then had to go to Pittsburgh for the third week, and they darn near pulled it off. Great suggestions. I appreciate the call, sir. All right. Bye. Thank you. We'll take a time out. Be back to finish out the first hour on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. And speaking of the Astros, want to remind you about Astro Giveaway 3. If you would like to win four tickets to the Astros and the Mariners on Saturday, July the 30th, as well as hotel accommodations, and a tour of Minute Maid Park. You need to join the game clubhouse. If you do, you will win this great Astro getaway prize. Hey, but who knows how many of the Mariners will win between now and then. That could be one of the premier games or the best game of the night. Hotel Astro Weekend Getaways brought to you by 
Put your air conditioning in La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I notice how Chuck dismissed the Mariners, Jules. Everyone is just dismissing the Mariners as if it's some sort of fluky outfit. Um, unbelievable. No respect for Hannah's Little Mariners, but no, they're they're really they're really good, and they they haven't gotten anything out of Winker the first half, and he's starting to do. They haven't gotten much out of Eugenio Suarez, the other guy they got from the Reds. He's starting to hit in a big three run homer yesterday. Julio Rodriguez is just fabulous. Their bullpen is 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 underachieved. That they're going to be they're going to be real tough to beat in the second half. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you can explain to me how a major league pitcher could walk Jonathan VR, I uh, would love to hear that explanation right now. If you have any more heartbreaking losses to to, to um, add to the list for the New Orleans Saints or, or overall in the NFL. There's one that came to mind, and we've made great progress the last two days on the overall NFL one, but there's one that came to mind to me uh, during the break that I have that I haven't thought about in a while but was heartbreaking for me at the time, and I've told this story before, Always been a Saints fan, but uh, you know there were period when I was in the seventies. I, I really kind of liked the Dolphins. You know the Saints were not in the playoffs in the seventies. Should have been, but weren't. Um, and what when was it? Seventy four, maybe. I think it was seventy four, but I could be off a year on, on there. When when they when the Dolphins lost the, to the Raiders. What do they call it? The Sea of Hands. Man, the Raiders are a lucky outfit. They, they're they're sacking Kenny Stabler. He throws the ball up. It's like an unintentional hail mary, and there's a just a bunch of people together in the end zone. And some kind of way, Clarence Davis catches the ball, and they uh, and the Raiders beat the Dolphins. I want to say maybe twenty eight, twenty six. Uh, that was a, I mean, that was that was a rough one early on. That was a rough one. So, we'll add the sea of hands loss. Uh, Any time the Raiders win, it, it's um, it's a bad thing. So, um, you know, the immaculate reception was 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 the Steelers weren't really the hated Steelers then. They were kind of the that was kind of like their introduction. If it had happened three or four years later, then I would. You know that it would have been more of a Stalin Hitler thing, but it was kind of funny how the Raiders and the Steelers hated each other so much in the seventies. Because, you know, in my mind, they were both evil. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, um, I heard better mention the um, um, Motor City. No Motor City. Uh, the Music City Miracle. Right. Uh, Titans and Bills. 
Uh, so uh, about two weeks later, two three weeks later in the championship game, where the referees basically took a game. Uh, Buccaneers were driving down that game. I'm sorry, the uh, yeah, Buccaneers were driving against the Rams in that game, and uh, they had like a controversial play uh, late Ooh, in the game. I think yeah. that changed yeah. replay. Uh, it it changed replay for a while. Yeah. Well, it was like yeah. eleven uh, to six, maybe was the final something like eleven to seven, yeah, 11, eleven to six, six something yeah, like that. Eleven yeah. six, eleven yeah. six, eleven six. Uh, also, uh, what about hey, what about the uh, the uh, AFC Championship game between the Colts and the uh, Steelers? It was the '95 season. Of course, the game was the '96. Uh, when um, <sighs> Harbaugh threw that um, hail mary, dude basically had it and, he, and it dropped yes. out of his hand. In fact, Jeff Basically, called the last hour and brought that one up. You're right. I remember watching that game. Yes. Uh, well, I, I hate I hate mentioning stuff that someone else mentioned. No, that's like, okay. I don't know. That's I, fine. I wasn't listening. I don't, I don't, You're just backing I'm it up. Cheap. That's good. No, that's okay. It's not cheating. You're good. Um. No, I'm sure Saints fan. I, I, I don't know if you mentioned this. But I'm sure you mentioned it. That, uh, 79 against the Raiders. You know what? That we have not mentioned that yet. Believe it or not. Look, I'm gonna hang up. I just want to hear your thoughts on that, man. Of course, I was born that year, so of course I don't know anything. But uh, just want to hear your thoughts on that one, and uh, thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Okay, 1979 Raider game. I told the story um, earlier this week how the 78 Falcon game. Saints are up 17 to three at halftime. Mom made hamburgers for lunch. Call my papa and I'm saying, we're going to win this game, papa. I told you we were good. Because my papa used to, you know, he was a Saints fan, but he would always tease me. He would always say, oh, the Saints, that's a high school team. And he would say stuff like, um, oh, NFL football, that's rigged. It's the wrestling that's real. And he would, he would tease me. So the Saints are up 35-14 and playing great. And understand how big. The Saints had never won a Monday night football game. They didn't win a Monday night football game until they beat the Steelers 27-24 my freshman year of college, which would have been the fall of 84, uh, and which was great. Dirt Winston returned a touchdown for uh, an interception for a touchdown, ex-Steeler, and that, that, that was a great victory. But anyway, at the time, Monday night football was humongous. Like, it's big now, but it, it's nowhere near to how big it was back then. So the Saints are playing the Raiders. You know, the Raiders just had, you know, 11, 12 years, maybe 13 or 14 years straight of just being one of the dominant teams in the NFL. So the Saints are playing them. They're on the verge of maybe making the playoffs after after the year before should have made the playoffs, but this, when they, the, they got cheated by luck and by a bad officials call in the two games against the Falcons, that would have given them their first winning season and a playoff berth. So they're playing the the Raiders, and if they win, they don't make the playoffs, but they they put themselves in great position to make the playoffs So and have their first ever winning season, which should have happened the year before. And again, this is in the Howard Cosell era, and the Saints are playing great, and Cosell is going crazy. Look how great Chuck Muncie looks and everything. Galbraith made this great stretching catch for a touchdown, and he's my favorite Saint player ever. I mean, the Saints are looking tremendous. They're up by three touchdowns over the vaunted Raiders who had ever lost, hardly ever lost a Monday night football game, and, and, and Cosell's going crazy. So I made the mistake again. I called my football at halftime. I said, we're going to win. We look great. 
lost 42-35. I mean, just just an All-American collapse in the second half. All-American collapse in the second half of that game. And another frustrating, didn't make the playoffs win and, or have a winning season. But, no, it's funny that no one mentioned that for the Saints, but that definitely – well, the you know the problem is you can only put ten in the top ten, and with the Saints and the overall NFL, there's way more than ten that deserve to be in the top ten, especially for me because I, you know, there's certain losses over the years that just they're just regular season losses, but they just really get to you, really, really get to you. But no, the um, the context of that 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 Raider loss was tough, especially the year after the Falcon losses. It was tough, no question. And that's why the Mike Lance rule, because, uh, you know, you fat, you you go through the drug year, the drug 1-15 season. Speaking of that, I know it was a 1-15 season, but um, you want to talk about heartbreak. They're playing the cheaters at Cheetle Stick. The Saints are 0-14. Or are they 0-13? I think they were 0 13. They they're up 35 to 7 at the half at Cheetle Stick and got beat 38 35 in overtime. That was awful loss. And then the next week they they go from the Pacific and they go to Shea and they beat the Jets 21 20. I watched that game at my friend Mike's house. That house doesn't even exist. I tell that story to Russ when we're driving down Ridge Road. I say, see that that, that house that doesn't exist over there anymore? That's where I watch the Saints only win in the ninth, in the 1-15 season. That's great fun. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. I know why you got a horse voice, man. Because we can't throw strikes to Jonathan VR. Like, how exactly. difficult you is yet- that? You were yelling at the TV too much last night, man. I think if you put a if you put the ball on a tee, Jonathan VR still could not get a in a major league game. Oh no, He's no, terrible. no, nah, nah. I joke around a lot and everything, but I'm being serious when I say I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. You know, nah. I think the whole problem is the the ones that's that's worried about Jameis Winston. I think they still spoil with Drew Brees. They had. They had so many good years with Drew Brees. They got spoiled to it. I mean, they need to get in their mind. Drew Brees is not walking in that locker room ever again, ever again. That's true. Now, you know, uh, I think that's the whole the, the whole problem. Jameis Winston, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, I would I, I I'd take him on the Cowboys any 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 day with the weapons he's going to have this year. I think he's look what the man did when. When he couldn't see, and he didn't have a single—I mean, he had Mike Evans in Tampa Bay, but the man threw for three over three thousand yards. Man, I mean, what more they want? There's never going to be another Drew Brees that's going to walk through that locker room, man. I mean, yes, it's a step down, Drew. I mean, but when Drew Brees wasn't have, like was towards the tail end of his career, and he was he wasn't having good seasons, they were fine with that, you know. I mean, so. Basically, I mean, I, I'm with you in the same boat. I mean, I, I don't see what, why they so. I'd be more worried about not having a backup running back like you Absolutely, are. Absolutely, yes. 
And, uh, I mean, once he gets Camara and Camara uh, serves his suspension, I mean, I talk a lot of trash about the Saints, but I think they're going to be just fine, man. They're going to be, they're going to be good. And, and you can thank, uh, you can thank, uh, James Mesh for getting, I, I like a feel good story, man. I mean, Jameis has done everything right. He's had eye surgery. He's, he's, cur- I mean, he, he's corrected his attitude. I mean, give the man a chance. And I think he's going to prove all the, the ones that was, that's worried about him. He's going to prove them wrong. The man's going to have an extraordinary year, man. I mean, and I'm not even a Saints fan. They need to calm down. Like I said, Drew Brees is not walking through that locker room. I mean, would you rather Baker Mayfield? I mean, would you rather be in the Carolina Panthers uh, shoes right now or even the Atlanta Falcons with Marcus Mary? I mean, what do they want? I'm with you, man. I mean. I agree. I think you made many great points. Thanks for the call, sir. Yes, sir. Take Have care. a good one. You too. Look, but I want to respond to one of the things he said. Jameis doesn't have to be as good as Drew Brees was in his prime with the Saints. No one is asking that, and no one is expecting that. But if but 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 Jameis is already better than Drew was in his last year in New Orleans when he was limping to the finish line and he had punctured lungs and all that. I mean, it's just, um, he's already better than that. And all he has to do is be as good. And he's good. And he's already better in my opinion than drew was in his last year or so when he was limping to the finish line with all these injuries and he could hardly throw the football anymore. Um, now, I'm not saying he's going to beat every efficiency um, statistic that Drew set while he was in New Orleans. I'm just saying this guy, I, I really, I just don't get it. You know, and, and, and I think it's, be, you know, people still talk about the silly things he did when he was a college student at Florida State. You know how long ago that is? That's a long time ago. And he's matured as a human being. It's obvious. He, I mean, do the people who are worried, do they think he's just buffaloed the Saints over the last three years? He's just been in New Orleans. He's done all the right things. He's put in the work. He's become a leader. All the people that are worried, seriously, I want to hear from you. Like, do y'all think that he's just buffaloed all the Saints players and coaches? And he's really still this immature punk. And he's just been putting on this show for the last three years. Just to fool people. He's accepted a $1 million salary as a former first-round number one overall draft pick. He's done all this just to fool people. Into thinking that he's now a mature human being who's capable of leading a football team and an organization. He just done all this. It's just been this big charade to fool people. Like, really? Y'all believe that? I just I, I just don't get it. I keep hearing. And then on the football side of things, is he more talented than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, by a long shot. Is he more talented than, like, the Ryan Tannehill's of the world? Of course he is. Did he throw a bunch of interceptions one year? 
when he was playing for a psycho head coach that Tom Brady struggled with for like half the season. And he had like three different offensive coordinators and they didn't really even know what they wanted to do and they never ran the football ever and they just threw the ball like crazy. Yeah. So you really think the Saints are going to do that? Like really? The people who are, y'all really think the Saints are going to be as irresponsible as head coaches as they were with Tampa that year. Y'all really believe that? Y'all really believe they're just going to mindlessly never run the football and just throw the ball down the field trying to get big plays and just throw interception after interception, not rely on the defense at all. We're just going to mindlessly throw the ball down the field no risk it, no biscuit, and all that silliness. Y'all really believe that? Like, I just want to know what. where does this come from? I, I just don't get it. I mean, it literally is not even in my top ten concerns for this team. And I guess it's possible that he'll throw some big interceptions and y'all all say, you see, you see. But, like, I just want to hear from the people who are really worried. Like, what are you worried about? He can make all the throws on the field other than he's not great at the finesse ones, and I think he'll he'll improve on that. He can make all the throws. He's got an arm that all the Baker Mayfields of the world don't have. And he's thrown for 5,000 yards, and he's thrown for 3,000 yards and 4,000 yards. He's actually done all that stuff that you don't know if a rookie can do. He's failed. He knows what it is to fail. He can handle the maturity level of it. And this is the best team by far he's ever played on. I don't even understand why anybody's concerned. I think this is a perfect scenario for the Saints. They get a guy who's still not close to 30. He's got a first-round overall arm, and he's got all the experience to help him be a mature person instead of being a punk like Baker Mayfield. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation for New Orleans Saints. And people are still saying that's their number one concern. Like, when I hear that, I'm like, what does that even mean? I I have no idea what it means. So I'm asking y'all, what does it mean? (laughs) Just, I don't get it. It befuddles me. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, next week, SEC Media Days, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, packing their bags and going to Atlanta. Visit the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. 
RP3 and Company and Crunch Time shows will all be live from Atlanta, all brought to you by Board Along Furniture. So we thank them. We'll also have live updates each day, RP3, on this show, Footnotes, and Matt will be broadcasting on Jardy's show in the afternoon. So SEC Media Days, we've got you covered right here on the game next week from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. The game hotline is 706-0111, Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot, I wanted to to bring up another point, too, because I'm not done with the Jameis Winston situation. When Drew Brees was first traded to the, the New Orleans Saints, the man was coming off a shoulder injury, correct? Uh-huh. Now, I bet you the same people that's complaining about Jameis Winston are the same one that was saying, oh, that guy is not going to work. He's coming off a shoulder. How are you going to go and, and trade for for a quarterback that's got a bum shoulder, and look what happened with Drew Brees. I'm going to put it like this. When the Saints got Jameis Winston, they got a leader. The, like you said, the man's humbled himself. He's worked on himself. He he accepted, you know, not the best, the best you know, contract, but he's, he's going to earn the contract. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, and the ones that get me the most foot, is the ones that are saying, oh, but Andy Dalton's better. No, Andy Dalton's not better. This is coming from a Cowboys oh, fan. Andy we had Andy Dalton as our terrible. starter. He's terrible. We, he, he, we had him as, I'm as our starter. We him. had weapons for him. <clears throat> and he didn't do jack did. Y'all don't want Andy. And what what y'all got next? Ian Book? That ain't the answer. I mean, they, like I said. Look, they, I'm, they, not they, an, they I was, I'm not an Andy Dalton guy. Now, I like the fact that he's a veteran and he's been there and done that. I like my backup to be a veteran, so I like that part of it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm right. not an Andy Dalton guy, no. Right. What, but like I said, what the Saints got in Jameis and Winston is a, is a, is a leader. And you want to know what kind of quarterbacks are the most dangerous quarterbacks foot? What's that? The ones the ones that have, that have a fire lit under their butt. And the ones that had that that have something to prove, and Jameis has something to prove, and it's all these naysayers. He uh, has something to prove. He's got a fire under his butt, and he's he's gonna be just fine. I, he's gonna shock a lot of people, and and you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of them commentators and stuff. They're gonna they they're gonna be surprised what Jameis Winston's gonna do this year, man. Uh, I mean, y'all got I like I, like I said a hundred times. I, I'm with you. I don't see. I mean, yeah, the man threw thirty interceptions, but he didn't look like you said. There were there were a pass first offense. They didn't have no running back in Tampa Bay. They had. I think the the head coach was John Gruden, Chucky. I mean, the dude. I mean, give the man a break. I mean, let him complete a first full season, and then come at me with your with your concerns about him. But until then, I mean, the the Saints are going to be just fine. They All right. Just fine. Th- thank you but for the call. Thanks for taking Th- my call thanks. again. All right. <clears throat> All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, uh, Kevin. I just wanted to wanted to make a comment about you know you talking about people that have concerns about uh, Jameis Winston. Uh-huh. Well, I think I think the problem the, the the thing is he's not Drew Brees. All of us Saints fans, he's not Drew Brees. Drew Brees ain't coming back. So they they still. Got Drew Brees on the brain. Second thing, he threw whenever he threw those interceptions that year, uh, those thirty interceptions. That just 
sticks in everybody's mind. And so that's, I think that's a big concern that he's still going to do that. I'm a, I'm a Jameis Winston fan. I think he's going to do really, really well this, uh, this season because he's got some weapons. He's got a lot of weapons around him. So, uh, I mean, I just want, just wanted to say that. Uh, I think, like I said, I think a lot of Saints fans are still looking for Drew Brees to come walking through the door again, and that's, that's just not going to happen. No, it absolutely is not. I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. You're Look, welcome. Thank you. Look, Jameis, um, I, I think a lot, of, and part of why I'm bringing this up is, I I don't know, but I think part of the problem is that a lot of people still think Jameis is the quarterback from Florida State. Jameis was an absolute punk back then. He's not that guy anymore. From a leadership standpoint, every sign, every sign points towards um, Jameis having totally turned his career around, his life around in terms of a leader. Everyone, like every sign points to that. And he hasn't done it for one offseason. He's been here for more than multiple years. Like, I have zero concerns, zero concerns about him being a leader. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to throw interceptions. That doesn't mean he's not going to overthrow any receivers. I'm talking about just the leadership part. I mean, I have zero. I think some people still think he's this quarterback from Florida State. He's not. I mean, if you really still think that, then you are just way off base, like way off base. He is not that same person. Like, you haven't been paying attention to him at all, anything he said or done. The guy humbled himself totally. He made very mature decisions uh, since he first came to New Orleans. The 30-interception season was only a one-year deal. That didn't happen his whole career. He played multiple years where he didn't throw 30 interceptions. In fact, I can't find it right now because I whatever whatever reason, but I if you compare his first 3 or 4 years in the league to Drew Brees' first 3 or 4 years in the league, the stats are almost, the interception stats especially are almost identical. He hasn't other than that one year he, he hasn't really been that bad of an interception thrower, especially when you consider he was playing for bad offensive coordinators and multiple offensive coordinators. And it wasn't Chucky that he threw it with. It was the bozo that just left, who is a, is a respected coach, but he's known for being unreasonably um, too much of a gambler. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, you stole it. John Gruden never coached uh, with uh, Winston. Right. I heard that call say that. Uh, Levy Smith, Cutter, and of course, uh, Arian. Um, hey, a- answer this question for me, if you could, uh, or if you can't. Um, Chester Verde, he threw 30-plus picks one year. Now, right. did they ever mention that, like, Later on in his career, like did, did they ever say, well, you know, he threw that thirty, he threw those thirty picks in eighty seven, eighty eight. I don't know what year, but did, did did you ever hear that with his career? 
Well, like I'm sure they the mentioned it. The, uh, I'm folks. sure they mentioned it a few times, but it wasn't like the quite the stigma <laughs> that it is here. Yeah. Um, like, like you said, my, my my main concern is him throwing the short pass, the short and intermediate pass. You know, um, that's why I would like to see him improve it, uh, improve at, at that aspect, just the short and intermediate passes. Uh, also, like you said, man, run the ball. Like if you look, if you that's, that's one thing about sports talk, man. We it, it, we just look at something. We don't really break it down. Like, why? What's the reason? Because uh, and look, in that thirty season, that thirty pick, you know, thirty picks are thirty picks. But those thirty picks, a lot of those balls are some deflections. Um, it's just almost like he just couldn't get a bat. Like he just every no. time the ball would get like deflected. Right. Look, I, 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 it off, I hate all out there. Right, Jay, I can't stand Stalin, but Stalin said something about Jameis that I totally agree with. Quarterbacks don't throw 30 interceptions. Coaches throw 30 interceptions. That's just bad coaching. It's just just bad coaching is what that is. And like you said, no lack of a running game. That was his biggest thing, man. Like, they didn't even try to run, throw, to run the ball. They didn't even Bruce try. Arians was like, basically Bruce Arians was like, well, you know, this is your last year anyway. So just go out there and do what you can do. See what you can um, basically, uh, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. And that's basically what he did. Yeah. But um, like I said, though, I, I do understand why people look at that. And that wasn't that long ago, man. So, but at the same time, though. They, they can't get it listen. out of their mind. Yes. But what I'm talking about, I'm talking about, let's, you said something earlier about the Florida State stuff. Some people, they have to, they have to look at him that way. Man. They keep this narrative in their head about, about you know, certain athletes. You know, so they can just live better. That's just how some people are, man. They have, they have, you know, like you said, damn, uh, him growing up. You know, we all done stupid stuff. You know, and he's uh, not, he's not that guy. Knows, anymore. I don't, I don't know the man. You know what <clears throat> I'm saying? But look, you know, I guess it's I, I possible that he's fooled all the coaches and players in New Orleans, and he's been running this big scam for the last two years. I just don't James think that's Win- possible. James Winston has always had leadership uh, qualities, even. It's very rare that you hear even players in uh, Tampa Bay kind of uh, bash him. They didn't right. always look at him as a leader, but I think he was kind of silly. Like I think he's one of them guys yes. who's kind of goofy. You yes. know, he did some crazy stuff, but I, I don't know, man. I think, and it, look, another thing too, guys. Those thirty, I think he had that mentality of a pitcher. Like you know, give up a base hit, give up a home run, let's just go back out there and see what we can do. It's almost like he just didn't. Yes. You know, didn't phase him in a sense, but. We'll see what happens, man. All right. And this whole thing, he has weapons. He, he had weapons in uh, Tampa. He had, he had some Godwin, Evans. He had, he had some weapons. They tried to give him some weapons, but it was just just some other things. You got to run the football. You got to run the football. You have to. And they and Bruce Arians is just crazy. I appreciate the call, Jay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, look. His first year, he threw 22. He threw 15 picks, threw for 4,000 yards. His second year, he threw 18 picks, threw for 4,000 yards. His third year, he threw 11 picks, threw for 3,500 yards. His fourth year, he threw 14 picks and um, threw for 2,900 yards. And then he throws 30 picks and throws for 5,000 yards. The reason why he threw 30 picks is because they were just throwing the ball without any running game at all, just mindlessly throwing the ball. If he would have, if their goal was to throw for four thousand yards, he would not have thrown thirty picks. It was just bad coaching. 
And I, I, I just don't believe that the Saints will allow that to happen. I, I just don't believe it. But that's also why they got to pick up another running back. Been saying that for over a year. All right, let's take a timeout. And we'll come back and discuss this more or whatever you would like to. Wonder what you really think Jonathan VR could get a hit off a of tee right now? I'm not I'm not I'm not totally convinced. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles would like for you to win an Apple Watch. All you have to do to win an Apple Watch is to join the new, the brand new text club by simply texting GAME to 283-8100. Text GAME to 283-8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win an Apple Watch as well as many other Great prizes, including Astro tickets. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Look, you don't, have to dis- you don't have to agree with me on this subject, the Jameis Winston subject. I brought this up because I keep hearing it over and over again and I don't understand it. So I want to hear why, if so, if you really, really are worried, if you really think Jameis Winston is one of the top two or three concerns for the Saints, I, I don't understand it. Does it mean I'm, I'm right and you're wrong? I just don't get it. And so I'm trying to – I think what it is – is people can't get past how he acted in college seven years ago. They can't get that out of their mind and or they can't get it out of their mind that he threw 30 interceptions with Bruce Arians as his head coach in a completely irresponsible coaching uh, season. They can't get that out of their mind. Just can't. They just they can't move past that. They can't understand that he had other seasons where he only threw 11 interceptions and 15 interceptions. He's not a 30-interception quarterback. That did happen one year with a specific coach. Carson Palmer and Tom Brady didn't have quite that bad, but they had issues with Bruce Arians too in their first year because he just he, he's not responsible as a play caller. He's just not. Um. I think that it's they can't people who are down on him or or can't get that out of their minds. But if there's something else, I just want to know what it is because I haven't heard it. I just keep hearing Jameis Winston, Jameis. Well, what does that even mean? All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. 
Tate, I'm curious. I had um, number one, Corey Lee, the catcher, the rookie catcher with the Astros. Uh-huh. You think they'll keep him and just keep Jason Castro on the shelf all year? I hope not. I don't. Oh, Corey Lee. I'm not sold on Corey Lee. Look, the two, I'm glad he had the nice game Sunday. The first one, the only reason why it was a hit is because the infield was in and the second one would have been a double play with a good defensive third baseman. So no, I'm not sold on Corey Lee. I think he, I, I like the fact that he's good defensively. That's a great place to start at the catcher position, but there, I have zero confidence that he can be a good offensive catcher. No, I, I, I don't. I, I would rather them. Um, I'm, I mean, I like the fact that he's getting some playing time, but I don't. I don't trust Corey Lee getting a hit in a postseason game. No, I don't. Oh well. Now, number one, I have two for you. First one, Saints playoff. Saints most disappointing game. I was young. I was like about seven or eight years old. It was back, I think, in 78 or 79. I think the Saints were 7 and 8, and they were playing at home, and they were playing the Rams, and I think it was a kicker named Lansford. Kicked a field goal at no time left. If he would have missed the Saints, would have gone to the playoffs. Right. If it was, I, it if was, I remember that right. Yeah, it was 1983. The Saints would have had their first winning season and first playoff appearance, and the Saints dominated the game. And that was, you know, the only offensive points that that the, that the Rams scored in that game. Yeah, 26-24. It was maybe the worst and most heartbreaking Saints loss ever. Yes, sir. Okay. And here's my other one. Steelers were playing the Patriots in the playoff game. And the Steelers were down by three points with like a minute, something left in the game. Roethlisberger hits Juju Schuster on a big play for like about 80-something yards. Gets down to the five-yard line. Next play, Roethlisberger hits a tight end that was there at the time, Jesse James. He catches the ball at about the one- or two-yard line. He spins around. He falls forward. He breaks the plane. They call touchdown. Steelers would have been up by four, three points with extra point, making it four. Belichick calls for instant replay, and they take the touchdown away. Oh, I remember that. Man, We they showed and that replay a hundred times. Yes, I remember that game. Exactly. And then the worst part about it was, even after they took the touchdown away, all they needed to do is kick a field goal from like 30 yards to tie the game and to go overtime. And the cat hooks the field goal. Yeah, that was awful. I don't, I don't feel oh, sorry no. for the Steelers much, but, yeah, I agree with you. That was an awfully heartbreaking loss. I agree. Well, how you call the 49ers the cheaters? Well, the Patriots are the cheaters I, part two. Well, absolutely. You're absolutely accurate on that. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey. Howdy. Got a couple more for you. Okay. Hey, did somebody mention the, uh, the battery game when the Saints had to go play in the playoffs to Chicago in 1990 to Bears fans were putting batteries inside the snowballs when they were throwing at the fans. Yes, we when, had, yes. When Vince Buck was called offsides when he wasn't. Yes, we did mention that game. That was a you know a total slap in the face call on the Vince Buck play. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was that was disgusting. I'm sure the fat forty nine eleven pig loved it though. Yes, I'm sure they did. Uh, and I, I know you mentioned the uh, somebody had to mention John Carney missing the extra point. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. Sir. And then uh, last one is at the, the 92 playoff game, fourth down, shoving the ball to Stan Brock. What was he doing? That Bobby that game there. that game was oh, it was just, oh, and again I, that that was the game following the Oilers meltdown against the Bills yep. and so yep. I had to, I had a bad feeling in my mind. I, I remember we at halftime it, thinking we had it first and five at, at the uh, the Eagle thirty five yard line. We couldn't get a first down. Remember that first and five after the Eagles were off sides. We couldn't get a first down yeah. to put the game away. Had to kick the field goal. Typical play not to lose. Oh yeah, Jim Moore. It was sick. Oh, my my my, my blood pressure is going up. I gotta go. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you think about these too much, it will get you upset. No question. I um. I it, it probably wouldn't do me any good. Although we, you know, sometimes when you go back and watch games, and I have gone back on YouTube and watched games from like the seventies and eighties. There are things you notice that are just so different about then than now that that can give you some appreciation and some historical perspective, which really good. But it also, like, I'll sit there and watch a game and I'll be screaming at the coach for making a stupid decisions and, and people are saying, what are you watching? Oh, I'm watching a game from 19-whatever, not 80-something or 70-something. I'm like, they're saying, why are you screaming at the TV? I said, because it's stupid. Like, it's stupid how could they have made these calls? You know, sometimes, it, it, I mean, seriously, if you ever, if you could watch it, if you could watch that first Saints loss where they beat the Buccane- loss to the Buccaneers for the fir- very first Buccaneer win ever, I don't know if the whole game's on YouTube, but if it is, and you ever had time, go watch, and you could just see how poorly coached the Saints were. I mean, all they had to do, they had these two good running backs, all they had to do was run the football, and they'd have crushed that team. Literally, they would have crushed them. But they just kept throwing the ball down. I mean, it was just it was just incredibly poor co- poorly coached team. Incredibly poorly coached. All right. That'll do it for this tech segment. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show next on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse. It's free, it's simple. So sign up today at the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All kind of prizes, Astro tickets, $150 gift certificate. To Mr. Lester Steakhouse, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Can't win any of those prizes unless you join the game clubhouse. So do so today. All right. So try to get a little therapy today from last night's loss. I know it's a lot, you know, you're playing a, against an all-star pitcher and you got beat seven to one. Again, I, I you know, getting beat seven to one, it's pretty easy to get over normally. And to be honest with you, I'm not nearly as frustrated as I was losing three to two, given the stupid ace three losses on Saturday. But I, I still can't get over walking Jonathan VR. You just can't do that. So hopefully, Framber pitches tonight, seven o'clock. 
against Reed Detmer, who had a great game, a couple great outings earlier this year. And hopefully the Astros can hit. Um, I do not like Chaz McCormick in the two-hole, so hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, Hopefully they switch that up. Man, it's time to get to the All-Star break so they can get Brantley back, get El Perro Grande back. But still, they they scored. I, I think they were still in good position if they had just not walked Jonathan Beal. You just can't make mistakes like that. Got to get rid of Abreu and not pitch him anymore. I mean, I I just – he's fascinating. I, there was a time when I bought – I still had hope for Brian Abreu, but he's just too much of a mental midget. I just don't think um, – you know, they. he's been year after year after year, and it just – he never seems to – it just that never clicked for him. And I don't know if it's ever going to. Maybe they just sent him off to a National League team, and if it clicks, it clicks. Fine, good for him. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. It's just, man, is, are you ever going to get it done? You got all this, you got all, you got this electric right arm, and you have no idea what to do with it. Like, figure it out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, so we'll see what happens in that game. And tomorrow, we will um, plan on interviewing you, Southside High basketball coach. Todd Russ, and hopefully he's got a few thoughts about Saints' heartbreaking losses. To, we can get his votes anyway. Uh, been meaning to talk to him. Finally going to be able to catch up with Coach Russ. Look forward to that. And hopefully we're talking about an Astro victory because in my feeling about this series, bad feeling about this series goes out the window. All right, I appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.